living as close to Foxborough as we do, there's been a lot of discussion about goats over the last couple of decades, really. Greatest of all time, goats, greatest coaches, greatest players, greatest quarterbacks, you know, who are the goats? And this word has kind of come to mean, you know, this, this ultimate pinnacle of excellence, the greatest of all time. But if you look at the Bible, actually, it's sheep that get the most reverence, that get the place of honor. And actually, goats are kind of pushed to the side. Sheep are, you know, the sacrificial lambs, Christ as the Lamb of God. Uh, we are sheep. We are God's sheep, the people of his pasture. Uh, Psalm 23 does a great job describing this. as the Lord is my shepherd. We're one of his sheep. We're followers. And Ultimately, if you're honest, you look around, everybody is following something. We follow political um, parties. We follow trends in fashion. We follow sports. We are followers. We are sheep in many ways. And sheep are not known for their intelligence, but when they are loyal to something, they stick to it. The Bible talks about Jesus being our shepherd. And Jesus, the good shepherd, that's one of the titles given to Jesus in the Bible. The good shepherd knows his sheep, and the sheep recognize his voice. And that's how we feel when we come to faith in Christ. We, like, we recognize his voice. We read it on the pages of Scripture, or we hear it from someone else, and it kind of like tugs our heart a little bit. Like, I, I want to follow that Jesus. That, that's my shepherd. That's the voice that I know and the voice that calls my name. And so there's this affinity. So if you're looking to kind of look at the concept of us living with Christ as our shepherd, Psalm 23 is the best place to go in the Bible. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. You know, he gives us food, the green grass, leads us beside still waters, leads us through the valley of the shadow of death. It's a perfect explanation of life following Christ. And Jesus comes, and obviously the psalm, Psalm 23, is written by King David as a shepherd who later became a king. Um, it's a foreshadowing of Christ. It's describing how the Old Testament Jewish people followed God and the priests and the, the pillar of smoke and fire in the wilderness. You know, they followed God, and then Christ came as the good shepherd and talks about his sheep following him, how he would leave 99 sheep to go pursue one sheep whom he loves, who is lost, and his pursuit for those who he's calling into his fold. So if you're looking to kind of think about us as sheep uh, in that day-by-day -day sense of following Christ, please read Psalm 23. Please study it. Make it a, a devotion that you do every day for a month. Just read it. You'll get more and more out of it. And there's actually a great book called uh, A Shepherd's Guide, to Psalm 23 by, I believe, Philip Keller, if I'm getting that name correct, if I'm remembering. But he lived as a shepherd, and so he kind of talks through chapter by chapter in this very small book, <clears throat> the Psalm, Psalm 23, and says this is his experience and helps kind of flesh out even more what it means to walk with the Lord day by day. And so that Psalm is a beautiful thing, and this uh, book is a very helpful one, so I'll recommend it. But that's not the focus for this conversation today. Today, I want to talk about what Jesus said in terms of the identity of sheep as being his versus the goats, the metaphor that he used, being those that are not his. Those that follow him, those that don't follow him. Those that obey him, those that love him, his sheep, whom he kind of gathers to himself, and those that want nothing to do with him, those that run from him, those that hate him. 
Jesus says that in the last days, in the judgment day, he'll have the job of sorting sheep from goats. And in this case, it's not the greatest of all time. The goats are the one pushed to the side and say, I never knew you. You never knew me. You spent your entire life running from me, ignoring me, rebelling against me, hating me. You may not join me for eternal life. But the sheep are the ones that he says, you know me. And I can see in your life that there was a love for me and and my love for the world, for those around you, just shined out of you in everything that you did. And so I'd like to read that. I kind of want to take last week's message, which was what is discipleship? Well, it's just reading the words of Christ, reading the gospel and then talking about it. I'd like to read the passage together, talking about um, separating of the sheep from the goats and how Jesus will have that role, and specifically just recognizing what sort of people Jesus sees as his own. So we're just going to read it aloud, and then we'll talk about it and think about it together, and I encourage you in your missional community, or with the Memorial Day weekend, by your campsite, uh, or at home with family, that you would just think about what this means for you and for your relationship with Christ. And... um, In this scenario, we don't want to be the goat. (laughs) We want to be the sheep following our good shepherd. So we find ourselves in Matthew chapter 25, starting in verse 31. So the gospel of Matthew is written by Matthew, also known him as Levi. In the gospels, you see it was kind of like his Hebrew name and then his Greek name. And uh, he was a tax collector who ended up just following Jesus. He's one of Jesus' sheep, and he was an eyewitness. And so he recorded that at one point Jesus preached this. So let's read it and let's think about it together. Matthew 25, 31. When the Son of Man comes in his glory and all his angels with him, Then he will sit on his glorious throne, and before him will be gathered all the nations, and he will separate people one from another as a shepherd separates the sheep from the goats. And he will place the sheep on his right, but the goats on the left. Then the king, King Jesus, the king, will say to those on his right, Come, you who are blessed by my father, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For I was hungry and you gave me food. I was thirsty and you welcomed me. Oh, sorry. I was thirsty and you gave me a drink. I was a stranger and you welcomed me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was sick and you visited me. I was in prison and you came to me. And then the righteous will answer him saying, Lord, When did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you a drink? When did we see you as a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will answer them, truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you know, to the people around them, to the least, the smallest, most insignificant seeming person, whatever you did to the least of these, you did it to me. And then he will say to those on his left, Depart from me, you who are cursed, into the eternal fire prepared for the devil and his angels. This is harsh talk. But this is not Jesus forcing this upon them. This is Jesus recognizing. He's simply doing the sorting. He's not condemning. He's not forcing someone to be condemned or to be righteous. He's recognizing. He's a judge. He's just justly saying this is how you lived your life. This is where your heart is and this is where your heart is. And there's no faking Jesus. There's no hiding, there's no pretending. So in this sorting, he's just recognizing people who did not love, who did not follow him. And this is how 
He recognizes that. He says, For I was hungry, and you gave me no food. I was thirsty, and you gave me no drink. I was a stranger, and you did not welcome me. I was naked, and you did not clothe me. I was sick and in prison, and you did not visit me. Then they also will answer, saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry or thirsty or a stranger or naked or sick or in prison and did not minister to you? And then he will answer them, saying, Truly I say to you, as you did not do it to one of the least of these, you did not do it to me. And these will go away to eternal punishment, but the righteous into eternal life. <clears throat> do you see the criteria that Jesus is using to recognize lives that reflected him, his sheep? He said, you know, my people, if you follow me, you will do as I did. The Bible says, if we follow Christ, we will act as he acted. We know that Christ kind of gives us his spirit, uh, imparts the Holy Spirit to us so that we have his strength, we have his mind, we can think his thoughts, we have the ability to lay hands on someone and heal them because he gives that to us. But how we live out our life shows whether we are his or whether we are not. But he doesn't measure it by how often they went to church, either group. He doesn't measure it by how much of the Bible they had memorized for those who were cursed or those who were blessed. See, both go to eternity. We all go to eternity. But some go to an eternity with Christ, eternal life, and some go to an eternity without Christ, eternal death, eternal punishment. He's not going to force anyone to do anything. He stands, the Bible says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. He calls out to people and says, respond to me. Come to me, take my yoke upon you, and I will give you rest all you who are weary and heavy laden. So the good shepherd is there, and he's inviting, he's calling, saying, come follow me. But the measurement that he's using to see if people really have is how they live their lives in relationship to those around him. I asked my kids this past week, you know, if they thought that they were any different from the first disciples. You know, what's different between you and them? And in their mind, that was like a crazy question. Like, everything's different. I, I'm, we're nothing like them. But when I kept asking, well, why? Why are we different? Just because you're not fishermen? Well, they are, weren't all fishermen. Just because you're young? A lot of the disciples, we think, may have been very young. Young men, young women themselves. Uh, so it's not an age thing. It's not a job thing. It's not, uh, well, what was it? You, you have probably more education than some of these original disciples. So it's not knowledge or education. And I think what they kept driving towards when we sort of came up with, well, we just didn't see Jesus. We don't see Jesus with our eyes and, and reach out and touch him physically with our hands the way those disciples got to. So that makes us different. doesn't make us better or worse, but that, that seemed to them to be the defining difference. We all conceded we can still interact with Christ. We can still know him. We can hear him. And he is a risen Christ. So he does appear to some. But in the absence of him actually appearing to us, we can know him, we can experience him, we can love him, we can become one and join with him. But Jesus here is saying, actually, the actions that you have in relationship to the people around you are how you interact with him. Now, you may say, well, I'm going to go and do this or go and do this and go and do this. But in our minds, usually we say, well, what's important? I'm trying to do lots of things in my life. I'm very busy. So what's worth it? So maybe it's worth it to get to a church on a Sunday morning and dress up, but it's not worth it to go to something smaller because it's not as important. As long as we get to the big things, you know, some people do this on an annual scale. As long as I get to Easter and Christmas, then I've kind of done the big things, but I don't need to do weekly services. 
or Bible studies or small groups or small things. Those aren't as important. We can treat Jesus this way too in how we care for others. Someone, you know, comes down with cancer or someone comes back from a, an injury and, you know, they're in the hospital and we make meals for them. But when someone's just kind of downhearted or discouraged, we just say, oh, I'll pray for you. Or I hope you feel better. We sort of like prioritize our love. And Jesus says, whatever you did for the smallest person in the littlest moment where there was the least fanfare, that's showing that your heart is to love the people around you in very practical ways. It is a missional way of doing faith. And in the end, it's how Jesus evaluates whether or not we are of him or not. You know, over this past couple of years, as our church has been called into more of this very intentional, every church should be missional, serving and loving. But as our church has been called into this like very intentional, kind of comprehensive missional approach to church, there have been some families that have moved on and said, you know, I just don't feel like that missional approach is for me. I really want to have chapel services on a weekly basis, and I really want to have sort of a more traditional approach. And that is a way that our own church operated for 30-plus years. So that's certainly a way to lead people to Christ, and it's a way to honor the Lord. But in the end, when Jesus separates us, sheep from goats, he's going to ask missional questions. He's going to ask, when did you make food? Not, did you get to church on Sunday morning? He's going to ask, when did you give away clothes? Not, did you give, you know, an offering in the plate when it was passed around? He's going to ask, when did you visit someone in the hospital? Not, were you there on Easter and Christmas like you're supposed to be? Did you go to the Good, um, Good Friday service, you know? And so I feel like our pursuit of missional church is actually helping to challenge us and teach us with the exact sort of requirements that Jesus is going to use to judge us. We are holding ourselves to a standard of serving those around us and saying that that is the most important thing. And guess what? When Jesus judges goats from sheep, he's going to consider it the final visible fruit proving that our hearts were his. Because we can do all the same things that we've always been doing and do them in the same way. But if it doesn't turn into loving people practically, if it doesn't look missional, then Jesus is going to say, well, that's very nice that you went to all those meetings. Did you love your neighbor? Did you care for a person with food and with clothes and visitation? You know, honestly, when someone in our church family or one of your neighbors has a baby... We should all be going to visit them. Think about the last person you know that had a baby. Did you go to visit them in the hospital? Did you go to visit them in their home shortly thereafter? Having a baby is a huge thing. I feel like it's one of these things. When someone was sick or when someone was in need, when someone was celebrating, when someone had a big moment, we were there. Bring a meal to a new mom and a new dad. Right? Someone in our church family has a baby. There's, say, 100 people in the church. So the hospital should be getting 100 requests for visitors. That's a lot. So maybe it shouldn't all happen at once. But that love should be there. When someone's sick, 
Should it be the pastor's job or the elders or maybe just the missional community leader's job to make a call or send a card? No, that person should be flooded. And when Jesus sees us face to face and shepherds sheep from goats, he's going to say, I see those cards that you sent to people. I see that lasagna that you dropped off on their door because you cared for the least of those. And no, it wasn't a church ministry. It wasn't a church program. But it meant something because it was for a person. And actually, I died on the cross for that person. Thank you for loving that person. You are my sheep. We're called to be doing these engaging, loving things when there's a funeral and someone has loss. The Bible says rejoice with those who rejoice. So I guess that's the birth scenario, right? But also mourn with those who mourn. So when someone loses a loved one, every one of us, even our kids, that's why I say 100 people, we're about 75 adults, 25 kids, so 100 of us should send cards and flowers and gifts. It should be overwhelming because that's what we do, because that's what our shepherd does. And we're just sheep. We just follow him. We're not trying to be the greatest of all time. We definitely don't want to be biblical goats. We're just trying to be followers of the one, the one who paid the price on the cross, the one who forgiven us of all of our sins, the one who loves us, the son of God. We're just trying to follow him. Whatever he says goes. Whatever we read, we're just going to do. So I'm challenging you and me because I don't always do this either. I don't always write the card or make the call or do the visit. But I desire to, and I know that it's expected of me because Jesus calls me to it. And so I'm passing on that same challenge to every single one of us. Be Christ's sheep. Follow what he would do. Visit when someone is in prison. Do you know someone in prison? Go and visit them. Pray with them. Read some Jesus together. Encourage them. If someone's sick, visit them. Do it today. Do it this week. Does someone need clothing? Does someone need food? Does someone need hospitality? Are they the stranger? They just need some place to stay for a day or a week. Can your home be available for that? Someone needs to borrow your pickup truck to go. Are you available for that? Someone needs to borrow your, your, um, one of your family members for the talents they have to do some painting or do some construction. Are you willing to steward your family and share the gifts that you have instead of needing to be together only for each other all the time? What are you willing to give to meet the needs of the people around you? What money are we willing to give away? What shirt off our back are we willing to give away? What inconvenience are we willing to uh, experience? What self-sacrifice? Those are the sorts of things that Jesus calls us to. So as we think about discipleship, you know, being disciples of Christ and following him, think about what he gave. Think about how we can give and love. And recognize that when Christ sees us all on that judgment day, he's not going to be vindictive. He's not going to be unfair. It's just going to be honest. And there's going to be a separation This is kind of like most people look at Jesus as kind of like the gentle Jesus. This is almost like the scary Jesus. When we see Jesus on on Judgment Day, there's no wiggle room. It's too late at that point. That's the day. And he says, these are the people of God. I recognize it, and there's the fruit. These are not the people of God. These are not children of God. So depart from me, you who are cursed. 
and come with me, you who are blessed. So may you be blessed. Be a blessing to the world around you. May we be sheep this week. May you truly find opportunities to serve, and not so that we can make Jesus proud of us or earn our salvation, but because it's in those small moments that we recognize in our own heart, I really do want to show love. Oh, I do have an opportunity. How exciting. Think of the joy that Jesus had in serving. And when we evidence those same joys in serving in small ways, we're showing that his heart is our heart. We really are as sheep. So may your opportunities for missional service be an encouragement and a confirmation for you and for me that we truly are called to live the lives of Christ in the world around us. May God bless you as you follow the Good Shepherd this week.